The scripture reading for today is Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So we began uh, the new series called Rebuilding Together through the book of Nehemiah. And we're covering Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, the first half uh, from verse 1 through verse 8, with a title called Waiting on God's Timing. Last Sunday, we talked about God's call. Uh, our concern uh, becomes God's call when we turn to God. But on the other hand, when we turn to people or circumstance, uh, our concern may become criticism or complaint. But Nehemiah turned to God, and his concern became God's divine call. So today, we will talk about what do we do uh, when we have God's call or vision, God-given holy burden. So let me begin with this opening remark, God's calling gets fulfilled in God's timing. Uh, always. God's calling gets fulfilled in God's timing. In everything, uh, timing is very important. Even if you have perfect ingredient when you cook, uh, timing is also very important. You know, what you put first, what temperature, the order. Uh, not just cooking, but even in human relationship, when you say certain things, uh, even if you say the right thing, uh, even if you share even scripture passage, there's a timing. For example, when someone is suffering with a loss of loved one, or someone's going through a miscarriage, uh, even if you say, you know what, God has prepared something for you, or God has something better for you, maybe that's the right thing theologically, or even shove it in the scripture passage, but if you say it wrong timing, uh, that really hurt. When someone is failing, 
in certain areas of life, yes, God is going to give second chance and God is going to help the person to get back eventually, but you don't want to say that right away when someone is crumbled and crushed. There is a timing to say certain things. Even evangelism, uh, when you want to lead someone to Christ, there is a right timing that God will give to you. Even raising children, there are different seasons. Uh, sometimes our parents get anxious that we want to see a quick result or a quick change within our spouse or our children, but there's a God-given timing that we have to recognize and wait on his timing. Even leadership, uh, when you go to work, there are certain things that you want to do. And so has a vision, the calling of God. When baby is born, there's a timing. When baby is born too early, we call premature baby. Same thing when it comes to vision, even though it is God-given vision, when you rush, when you fail to wait, it could be also premature vision as well. Nehemiah received God's call. It was clearly from God. No doubt. He took it as a holy burden, God's call. What did Nehemiah do? It is very clear that Nehemiah didn't go to his king right away. Even though he met the king every single day, three meals a day, he had many opportunities to bring it up to the king about the broken wall of Jerusalem. However, Nehemiah did not rush. It didn't mean that he procrastinated, but he was waiting for right timing, more so, actually, God's divine timing. The one thing that I noticed is that people who have calling and conviction, the one of the great temptations is that we feel like we need to do something right away. That we want to see the change or result right away. And that's a, one of the greatest temptations. Of course, when it comes to uh, certain areas that we need to respond and follow immediately. For example, when God reveals certain destruction or walking away from sin or being obedient to prayer, worship, these are the things that we need to respond right away. But however, on the other hand, there are areas where you need to really pray and discern for right timing. For example, healing takes time. Restoration takes time. Change, breakthrough in people's lives, even your children, it takes time. However, waiting is never easy. And we don't like waiting. Because this world talks about competition or going ahead or running ahead of other people. If not, we lose opportunity. Someone else will take over such opportunity. Therefore, waiting requires faith. What kind of faith do we need? Waiting requires a faith in God that if God is leading, that he will bring the best even beyond our own imagination or even more than what we ever 
expected or anticipated in life, that God is good and God knows the best. Even more than what we hope for in our lives. So if we wait on God's timing, that He will work through our lives. It requires such faith in our lives. So Nehemiah waited on God's timing. And those of us who read chapter 1 last Sunday, uh, we think that, okay, in chapter 2, Nehemiah is doing something. All right, that's good. But however, there was a gap between chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 1 begins in saying that when Nehemiah heard the news from his brother Hananiah, it was the month of uh, Chislev, which is around mid-November or early December. But in chapter 2, it begins with the month of Nisan, or Nisan, it was like mid-April. So you can see between chapter 1 and chapter 2, there were like at least minimum 4 to 5 months of gap. Bible talks about people of God who are used by God, but it was the full of stories, the people who heard and yet they had to wait. Jesus waited for 30 years. Jesus, when he was ascending to heaven, he told disciples, don't go out to the world yet, but wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Moses had to wait. David had to wait. Joseph had to wait. Esther had to wait for right timing to talk to the king. You read the Bible, every single person who received the calling from God, they had to go through the season of waiting. Maybe many of our young adults, you are going through a season of waiting. You know that God has given you his promise, conviction, and calling, and yet God is making you to wait. Even for pastors, we have to go through a season of waiting for a vision to mature. Even for parents, maybe you are waiting for certain things. Even in our relationships, we are waiting for restoration in order to reveal the ruin. It requires self-discipline, patience, but also ultimately faith in God. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You see, there is a promise of God in your life. And you have called, and yet it requires a faith, uh, faith and patience in your life. So then what do we do when we wait? There are two things that I would like to share with you. Number one, waiting time is praying time. Waiting time is praying time. Warren Wiersbe said, when you wait on the Lord in prayer, you are not wasting your time. You are investing it. God is preparing both you and your circumstances so that his purpose will be accomplished. Many times we rush because we feel like we're ready. But the bottom line, brother and sister, you are not the only one in this world. Even if you're ready, the other person is not ready or the circumstance is not ready. So God makes you to wait so that not only you are ready, but someone else is ready, and the timing is ready, and circumstance and situation setting is ready as well. 
So as Nehemiah was waiting for four months, what did he do? He was praying, he was fasting. And finally, in today's chapter, God's divine timing intervenes. Do you know how? Because Nehemiah didn't force this conversation on his own. He didn't rush to the king and say, King, I have a favor for you to answer. But king initiated conversation. In verse 2, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. You know, even this one liner, you can sense what kind of intimate friendship and relationship Nehemiah had with the king. King recognized, Nehemiah, you're not sick, but you're sad. I mean, he was the king of a most powerful nation, and yet he was so sensitive and attentive to Nehemiah's face. I heard from like one wife complaining that she had like a long hair throughout the entire marriage, and one day she cut it like to short hair and then came home, and then husband doesn't even recognize. Sometimes we can be very dull, right? And yet Nehemiah is like just sad in his face, and yet King recognized, and he initiates a conversation. Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's going on? You are not sick, but I feel like you have a sadness in your heart. I really believe that it was not the king who initiated, but it was the Holy Spirit opened the king's eyes and just right moment, right timing, the conversation began. Heart-to-heart conversation. The timing was ripe. What if king, uh, Nehemiah, just rushed and then forced king I need to go to Jerusalem. Can you do me a favor? Andy Stanley, in his book, Visioneering, he says, sometimes we have many good ideas, but we rush it in bad timing. Or sometimes we don't, need, we don't differentiate between good ideas and God's ideas. Sometimes we think that it's a good timing, but it's not necessarily God's timing. God's timing is better than our timing. God's idea is better than good ideas. How do we discern? That's why we need to pray. Many people think that praying is like, Lord, make my calling become real. Please make it happen. Though that's better than nothing, the reason why waiting time is praying time is, is to discern God is this good idea or God's idea. Lord, is this good timing or God's timing? Because many times we tend to rush. We tend to push our own agenda in our own timing in the name of prayer. Because it's right thing or it's a good thing. Yeah, it's God's calling. But God's calling gets fulfilled in God's timing. But when we pray, there are a lot of good things take place. Why? Because as we pray and wait, what happens is that because you and I, we are uh, selfish, self-centered, or we have our own fleshly desire, is that even including myself and any person, any human, 
except Jesus, God's call and our own ambition or our own agenda, they get intertwined. It's always mixed. Don't ever say 100% pure intention, okay? We always have our own desire. It is all intertwined. But as we wait, what happens is that it filters. It filters. Lord, is this my will? Is this my fleshly desire? Or is this really your desire? I shared this many times before. When I came to New Hope 18 years ago, God has given us God's call. It was very clear for us to plant downtown campus. I share, I was so excited, and I thought everyone would say, you know what, that's a great idea, let's do it. But then, however, I had to wait for one year. People said, maybe that's not the right thing. Um, I was getting a little bit frustrated, like, we have to do it, come on. But I felt like God was really forcing me to wait, so I waited for one year. But I, this is how I pray, Lord, I'm going to pray for one year. If this is your call, can you make my desire and conviction even more stronger and provide people to plant with? On the other hand, if this my human ambition just to simply grow the church in number, Lord, as I pray, make this desire go away. But thankfully, within that year, the conviction grew even more and people start rising up. And that was a sign. Maybe as you are waiting, as you are praying, maybe there are certain things in life that God is filtering, taking away. That's why waiting time is very important. On the other hand, as you wait, because it is really God-given calling, He will make it even more stronger. You become more passionate. Not only God filters, our vision becomes mature, ripe. Just like eating a fruit or eating uh, whatever, right? It needs to be ripe. It needs to be baked properly. The vision needs to be ripe. So Nehemiah, uh, the king, recognized the sadness in Nehemiah and asking, and yet Nehemiah was afraid. Why? Because Nehemiah's job was making king smile, giving king peace, not spreading out his own sadness. You got to deal with it on your own. But when you go to the king, you're a cupbearer. You need to make the king happy. So Nehemiah was afraid. And king asked, what's going on, Nehemiah? How did Nehemiah respond to king's question? In verse 4, so I pray to the God of heaven. Nehemiah prayed. It's a Sunday morning, but I have a quiz for you. How long do you think Nehemiah prayed for? King, give me some moment, and then go to the corner and kneel down and pray for like 10 minutes since Nehemiah is a man of prayer. Spiritual man? I don't think so. I think he will be really upset. What are you doing, Nehemiah? I think 
Nehemiah probably prayed for like one second. God, give me wisdom how to say it. And he responded. But in that one second, probably Nehemiah said, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. This is it. Help me. And he just explained to the king. Some of the commentaries say this is like a short prayer, but emergency prayer. It's almost like, you think, that, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe I don't need to pray too long. You know, I can pray for like one second, God, you know, and then I might make my prayer life so easy. No, 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 that's not the heart of it. But this short prayer was the extension of Nehemiah's four-month relay fasting and prayer. It was a continuation of his long prayer that it's been piled up, it's been built up, and Nehemiah said, this is the timing, this is the God's answer, God, here I am. You see, what kind of prayer life Nehemiah had, that he was attentive, he was sensitive to God's timing. And that prayer and conversation moves the king's heart. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, the king's heart is a stream of water. In the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he will. You know, we think that we can change someone's heart. Ultimately, it's God who changes heart. Whether you are dealing with a non-believing family member or non-believing boss or some people who are hardened, you think that you want to change something and you force something to happen. But when timing is ripe and when you pray, God will change that person's heart. So when you're frustrated, when you're in argument, you know, many times we think that our persuasion, our argument, stronger point will somehow change that person. No. You got to pray in your heart, Lord, May your Holy Spirit really work through such a person's heart right now. So when you pray, don't just pray aimlessly. Hope miracle will happen all of a sudden and it will drop on your lap. But you got to pray very intentionally as you wait. Pray for God-given opportunity. Because many times, as I explained, it may not be God-given opportunity, it could be human opportunity. We end up settling with not God's timing, but just human timing. Settling with the second best, or third best, or settling with temptation. How do we discern? Are you able to discern God's timing and good timing? I don't. I can't. That's why I need to pray. But as I pray, God will give discernment. This is really, truly hands of God that you begin to feel peace in your heart. Confidence in your heart. Courage and faith in your heart. That's why you got to pray as you wait. Not only praying for God-given opportunity, you got to pray for God's favor. So that when God's timing comes and you are executing, and yet you need God's favor to really move people's heart. 
to bring people into your life. So our tendency is just pray aimlessly or pray for just miracle that it will just happen. But we got to pray intentionally, specifically as we wait. So brothers and sisters, waiting time is praying time. Are you waiting for certain? Then how are you praying? Secondly, waiting time is planning time. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He prayed, he fasted. He prayed for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And yet, it is very clear because Nehemiah didn't simply just pray and did nothing else, but he planned. He never went to Jerusalem, and yet he pictured, okay, what does it look like if I were to rebuild the wall? What do I need? What kind of team do I need? I share this many times. We think that relying on God 100%, many people have this like wrong, wrong belief or wrong concept thinking that if we rely on God 100%, it means we do nothing else. I remember my preaching and leadership professor uh, shared to all the preachers, if you are preaching, you got to prepare your sermon word by word, and you got to prepare like to the best you can. And yet when you stand in the pulpit, you got to rely on God 100% as if you haven't prepared a thing. <laughs> Do you see? Like, we're not doing logical 100%, 100% calculation here. But there is a God's work of the Holy Spirit. Let me apply that to students. Students, when you take exam, you got to rely upon God 100%. Yes. But some people think that relying upon God 100% means not studying and somehow God alone will give you the right answer. No. You got to study as best as you can and then when you open the exam, you do rely on God. How? Holy Spirit, help me to remember everything that I study and prepare. Not like, Holy Spirit, give me revelation so that even though I didn't open up the text, somehow, mysteriously, or when I choose multiple choice, somehow that my feeling goes in line with the Holy Spirit so that I will pick number three when it's the right answer. No, that's not the way we pray. Nehemiah was a man of prayer, but he was planning and preparing. In chapter 1, he cried, but he stopped crying and he started planning. So when you wait for God's timing and you have no plan, you will not be able to execute with godly fruit. Now some of you may pray, Lord, I want my non-believing husband to come to faith. I want my you know, friend, 
you know, could come to know Jesus Christ, and then right timing came, and then that person is asking this like very profound spiritual question, and then yeah, you don't know how to share the gospel. Oh, just let's just go to church. Or some of you, you've been praying for God-given opportunity. You've been praying for your dream job. And then God opened the door and you got the job, but then you don't know what to do, how to do the job. You don't have a skill for it. You haven't been developing the right skill. You haven't been really cultivating leadership and communication. You're not going to do it. So waiting time is never passive waiting, but it is active waiting by praying and planning. And God used this conversation, divine timing, and the king said, Nehemiah, really, is that your burden? And he got the permission, and the king asked, so Nehemiah, what do you need? In verse 6, so it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. What do you need, Nehemiah, and how long do you need? Nehemiah didn't say, well, really? I don't know. Let me pray about it and get back to you in a month and bring a report. No, Nehemiah answered right away, king, I need these. Number one, number two, number three, number four, for how long? So first king, I need a king. I need a letter, approval, authority. Because when I travel, I'm bringing all these. There are a lot, lot of other governors of different places. They're going to stop me. But I need your full blessing and authority. Number two, I need official title to go back to Jerusalem so that I can execute to rebuild the wall. I also need materials. Who's in charge of a king's forest and material? It was Asap. He knew Asap was in charge. So king, can you write me a letter? The keeper of king's forest for the exact mount. What do I need for the gate? What do I need for the door? What do I need for the wall? If you read along in verse 7 and 8, it has all these exact materials and letters and authority, permit and so on, that he knew. So Nehemiah, and no wonder why Nehemiah was so reliable person. But many times, when we deal with non-believers or even in our workplace, in the name of you know, believing in God and in the name of Christian, sometimes we don't have credibility. We don't know how to execute the project. We don't know how to do the work that is honoring, that is glorifying God. And just to non-believer king or non-believing boss, let me pray about it and God will take care. That's not going to cut it. You've got to build your character, credibility, reliability, so that when God gives you timing, you're able to serve God, glorify God in secular field or secular realm with a credibility and character. You start 
and you execute it so that you are able to step up. So, brothers and sisters, how is your relationship in your workplace? How is your relationship in your school? If you cannot be a blessing and if you cannot maintain such credible relationship, the chances are you may not be able to really glorify God in your workplace. And that's what it means for us to build our faith as we wait on God's timing. In verse 8, And the king granted me what I asked for. For the good hand of my God was upon me. What an inspirational story. Nehemiah received God's call, but waited on God's timing. But as he was waiting, he prayed specifically, and he planned specifically. Brothers and sisters, I know that there are many things that you are waiting. It could be a task, it could be a project, different season, or it could be waiting on transformation of certain relationship or certain changes and growth and maturity of your children. But as you wait, you need to wait well. And I gave you answer. What does it mean for us to wait well? As we wait and pray and wait and plan. Let me end today's message with this conclusion. Those who are prepared shall be used on God's timing. And there is no doubt. Because God wants to use you. God wants to use every single one of you. If you seek God and if you prepare yourself. Let's pray together. Why don't we lift up our desire, our concern into the hands of God? Rather than, you know, just pushing with our own timing and agenda, let's acknowledge that, God, it's in your hand. I wait upon your timing. But as you do that, uh, you need to pray. Not superficially, not blindly. Lord, make it happen, make it happen. No, we pray, Lord, let me also grow through this time of prayer. Lord, filter my own areas where that you are not pleased with. Lord, filter my own ambition. Filter my own fleshly desire. Filter my agenda so that your will be done. And secondly, as we pray, maybe there are certain things that God is convicting. Yeah, you got to plan. You got to prepare. Don't just wait and pray. What are some of the things that you got to prepare for next season of your life or next season of your children? Young people, it could be next season of God's call. Or some of the older people, maybe it could be, you know, our second half. We've got to prepare. We've got to plan. What are you going to do? I have seen so many seniors in our first generation 
you know, they plan only up to 65, they plan only up to 70. And they're just, their next like 20, 30 years is just waiting. But waiting for what? That's a waste of time, isn't it? So we got to plan, not up to 65, retire. But we got to plan until God calls us. So maybe God is really giving you a vision, what it means for you to prepare. So as the Holy Spirit really guide our prayer, uh, let's respond. So let's pray together. Lord, we believe that if it's your will, if it's your promise, it will happen. But not in our timing, but your timing. Lord, it's so hard for us to wait. Because there are uh, some of our congregation members who have been waiting way too long. feel like giving up. But Lord, help us to turn to you again, even in the season of waiting. And somehow, the today's message will challenge us to change the way we pray. And the way we approach in life. So that we'll be prepared differently. Father, we pray for our next season of our church. Father, we pray for next season of our parents, next season of our congregation members, next season of our children. But as we envision God-given calling and vision, Lord, help us be a people of faith, prayer, and we will be able to really prepare ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.